Hi, you're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Impact Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. I'm Pastor Brandon, the church planter and lead pastor. We are a new church in the D.C. area that is centered on the gospel and sent to our neighborhoods, Northern Virginia, and the nations. Please visit our website at www.impactfxbg.church. There, you'll find our current meeting times and locations. Our prayer is that you are encouraged by the message you hear today and fall more in love with Jesus and others. Thanks for listening. Um, Hey, uh, if you guys have a Bible with you this morning, go ahead and get that out and turn with me to the book of 1 John. Uh, And so if you're new with us this week, uh, we are glad that you're here. Last week we launched a a new sermon series, so you haven't missed too much uh, in the the book of 1 John. Um, But I may do this for the first few weeks just to remind us, but uh, this is not the gospel of John. Uh, Same author, but different book. So um, if you go to like the gospel of John, it's got, you know, 20 chapters in it or something. That's not the one we're in today. We are in 1 John, uh, 1 John. So it's got to have, got to have the number one in front of it. And it's all the way in the back. And if you get to 2 John, you've gone too far. All right. So just 1 John and it's right kind of near Revelation too. So that's where we're going to be. And we're going to hang out in chapter one today. Okay, so uh, if you have your Bible, you can get that out. If you want to use a phone or a tablet, uh, we want to encourage you to do that today simply because we don't want you to come to church and feel like you were just an observer today. We want you to feel like you were the church today. And the way we do that is not just sitting back in a sermon hoping that this, you know, clown can amuse you uh, for long enough, uh, but rather, because I probably, I I cannot, I can assure you, Uh, but what what we want to do is participate in our time with God's Word, and we do that by reading along in our Bibles, and we do that by taking notes of of God's Word and what God is speaking to us, so I want to encourage you to do that. In fact, we put some notes pages on your seats. Um, Oh, can I borrow that? Thank you very much. Um, And so you can uh, take notes today, and then uh, we're going to ask everybody that's here today to fill this blue card out. It's called our response card. And man, I just want to say, like last week, man, we got some uh, so many response cards in, and so many people are checking these back boxes about, man, help me get in a community group. Help me figure out my next step. Uh, we even have somebody check a box. They, they're, they're going all into following Jesus. And, and so we got massive, awesome things happening. So this is a way for you to fill this card out and drop it off in that brown box at our giving station later on in the service. So if at any point in time you need a break from listening to me, uh, fill this card out. And you can even, even uh, if you don't want to take notes, doodle or something. That'd be really good. All right. Um, hey, uh, uh, as, we, as we dive in uh, this morning to 1 John, um, so uh, excited for us to get to go through this uh, together. And I just want to kind of uh, recap a little bit. Last week, we just made an introduction and, and talked about, you can go back and listen to the podcast or watch the live stream, but the main thing I want you to, to realize about this book um, uh, that we're studying over the next few weeks is that uh, it wasn't written to be like a book, okay? Uh, it was actually written as a letter, and uh, it was written as a letter to a specific group of people, And uh, the people were probably a network of house churches scattered throughout the Ephesus area, okay? Uh, It's also where Ephesians was written. And so what you really have to do is put yourself in in those shoes as you're you're reading this. So put yourself in the shoes of someone who's in a church plant, a brand new church. Okay, check. That's pretty easy. Uh, But they have this nice building. Put yourselves in your community group, sitting in a living room inside of a house, kind of crammed in, and somebody knocks knocks on the door. We've got a letter. The Apostle John has written us a letter. Let's see what he has to say to us and how he wants to encourage us as a church. And so that's kind of, that's kind of the way 1 John is written, and that's the way we're going to read it and teach it. Um, hey, let me, uh, let me ask you guys a question. Um, how many of you are going to watch the Super Bowl tonight? Wow. We are not as fun of a church as I thought we were. Like, I think we're fun but in our own special way, in, a, in, a, in our own unique way. Are we fun? Um, yeah, okay, okay, all right. Well, this, uh, this illustration is going to go down the toilet. Um, let, let, me, <laughs> let, let me ask you guys, uh, let me ask you guys this. Um, if you were to watch the Super Bowl, all right, um, <laughs> how many of you are actually going to watch it for the game? Like you watch it because you enjoy the game. 
Okay. All right. So there, there's a few people. Uh, who's playing? Oh, yeah, yeah, Taylor Swift. Okay, so if, if, uh, <laughs> thanks for feeding me into that. That was really good. Um, okay, how many of you are going to watch for the halftime show? Get some of your early 2000s nostalgia going on. Okay, all right. Um, shocker. Okay, um, let's see. Uh, how many of you, though, let's, now let's be honest, are like me, you're watching for the commercials. Okay. All right, that's, that's most of us. Um, some of you raised your hand for all of it, so that, that's good. You're just going to be an all-around. Um, man, I, for me, like, uh, you just kind of know the next day, uh, nobody's really going to be talking about the game. Like, when the game is over, you'll get a little notification that says, hey, Taylor Swift won the Super Bowl. We're all so excited. And you'll go, oh, that's great. That's kind of what I figured would happen. And then you're going to go to work or you're going to go to school. You go to classes the next day. And uh, all anybody's really, or you're scrolling the Internet, and all you're really going to see are replays plays of the commercials, like uh, different things, you know, what is happening, what's going on. And, uh, and the word that, that pops into my mind is how people are going, that's what we're going to proclaim. Like we're going to proclaim these commercials. It's amazing. Like only in America, right? We spend mil, hundreds of millions of dollars on this big game and we really just want to see the advertisements, who other people have spent hundreds of millions of dollars to have. Um, and so like we get that and they're proclaiming a message to you though. Like they want you to remember this because they want you to remember their product. They want you to remember the certain message that they're giving to you. Um, and guys, when we read First John today, we're going to dive into a really important message that is worthy of proclaiming. Um, and so John is just going to remind us, God is going to remind us today of what this beautiful message is that we as the church are left to proclaim, that we are supposed to be this walking Super Bowl commercial of uh, in God's Word. And so uh, let's go ahead and dive right in. First uh, John chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 5. That's where we left off uh, last week. So First John chapter 1, verse 5. If you're there, say, I'm there. Oh, that's good news. All right, let's dive in. I'm so excited to get into God's Word today. <laughs> this is going to be so good. Okay, 1 John chapter 1. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim, everybody say proclaim, proclaim. to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Man, let's just stop there. Let's, I want to camp out here for a second. Because I think it's one of the most beautiful verses in all of Scripture. I want you to, to see this. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this, write this down. The gospel tells the world who God is. The gospel tells the world who God is. And, and that word, the gospel, literally just means the good news. And so, guys, when we talk about, like, what is the gospel and someone asks you, sometimes we try to overcomplicate it. We try to use these really big words and we try to use all of this stuff. But, guys, the good news is simply who God is. Like, he is the good news. <laughs> like, like, the fullness of who God is. Jesus says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And so this, the good news of the gospel that we proclaim is the character of God, who God is. So let's, let's look just in this one verse of what it says. It tells us that God is light, that God is light. And, and I love this part um, after that where we can understand, we go, okay, God is light. That's beautiful. But I want you to look at that next part. And in him is no darkness at all. And I want you guys to see that because, guys, listen, light in the Bible represents a few things. Like, light represents God's holiness to us, that He is not like us, that He is completely set apart. Um, you know, in fact, the Bible speaks, I think it's First Timothy uh, chapter 5 says, and He is dwelling in unapproachable light. That like the light he lives in, we, our bodies, our human bodies could not survive being in his presence because he is light. Like how amazing is that? Oh, it's his holiness. It also stands for his purity, right? You ever seen that where it's like the purity of light shining through? 
And it's just, there's something so pure, no one's ever messed with it. Like you think about the sun and the light the sun gets off, nobody's ever messed with the sun. Nobody. Like it is exactly, nobody's ever gone up and said, I think I'll go tinker with the big fireball in the sky. Like nobody's ever done that. Like it is as God has created it, it is pure. And that is what it means that God is like, he is pure. It means he is good, right? That's how we describe when you go see a movie and you, you go watch a movie and you go, man, um, there's a good guy and a bad guy. And sometimes you could contrast it by that scene was just so dark. And what you're, nobody hears that and goes, oh, I'm looking for something light and fluffy to watch. Let's turn it on. Like nobody does that. You hear that scene is so dark and you go, oh, I don't know if I want to really subject myself to that. And guys, so we know dark is bad and light is goodness. Light is goodness. Um, it also can stand in the Bible for receiving truth and receiving revelation. You guys ever had a light bulb moment? Right? It's good. And that light bulb moment, that's why we call it that, is because we have received revelation. We have heard a truth that we can understand. And guys, that's who God is. He is a fullness of revelation. He is the truth that we long for. This is who He is. This is who God is. This is His character. This is how He functions. And sometimes our temptation may be, yeah, I know He's like that, but sometimes I have a hard time believing that. Maybe some hard things happen in your life. You walk through a difficult time and you wonder, God, where were you in that? Because this feels like darkness. But brother and sister, I want to encourage your heart today. In him is no darkness at all. If there is dark, if you're walking through darkness, that's a real thing, guys. But that's not from God. Like God is light. And so we combat the darkness by clinging to the light. We don't run away from the light. We cling to the light. He is holy. He is pure. He is good. He is the revelation and the wisdom that we are looking for. This is the character of who God is. And so I wanted to just offer you some good news today because the truth is we've all been there where we have been in dark days, where we have just felt like someone walked into our life and flipped the switch off and we were stuck there in darkness. Guys, I've been there. You've been there. I bet we've all been there. But guys, the beauty of the gospel is that's not who God is. And God loves to shine his light the brightest in our darkness. That's what he does. That's the story of the cross. Let me read a few verses to you because this idea of God being light is mentioned 275 times in the Bible. That's a lot. <laughs> in 66 books, 275 times, God is mentioned as light. Let me show you a couple of them. Psalm chapter 27, verse 1. I'm just going to put them on the screen. You can write them down and go back and read them later. Psalm 27, 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Do you hear that? Whom shall I fear? In him is no darkness at all. There is no hint of darkness in him. The Lord is the stronghold of my life, so whom shall I be afraid? Listen to Isaiah chapter 60, verse 3. And the nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Guys, the light of God is bright enough to attract the nations, to attract people from every language and tribe. And uh, look at John chapter 12, verse 46. This is Jesus. And Jesus says, I have come into the world as, somebody say it, light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Because in him is no darkness at all. Not a hint. Um, but guys, as we know God is light, as we dwell in the light, as we walk in the light, we're going to get to this in a second in 1 John, as we walk in his ways, guys, then we become the light. Jesus calls us in the Sermon of the Mount, the light of the world. We are. We are the light of the world because we have his light inside of us. Listen to a couple of these quotes I thought were, were really fascinating, just talking about how God is light. Um, this one is a quote by a guy, um, a missionary, uh, John Falconer. He says, I have but one candle of life to burn, and I would rather burn it out in a land filled with darkness than in a land flooded with light. 
In other words, your light has no purpose in a well-lit room. Like we're a pretty well-lit room. In fact, probably better lit than some of us would prefer, right? It's a pretty well-lit room. And, uh, and it's so well lit, I don't see any of you like turning on your flashlights. Like I don't see anybody being like, man, I really should have brought my bright spotlight to church today. I can't see a thing. No, because you know that would just waste the battery. So instead, we have this light of the world. We are called to take this light into dark places. Okay? I listened to this, another um, uh, missionary, C.T. Studd. This is what he said. He said, some want to live within the sound of a church bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. Guys, it goes into this idea that we are not called as light to just stay in light. That we have been called with a mission to take the good news that God is light to dark places, not to stay in ourselves. All right. If you're taking notes, write this down. The gospel tells the world what God says about sin. The gospel tells the world what God says about sin. This is, uh, this is really hard because, to be honest, um, the passage we're about to read, I just want to kind of give this disclaimer, because we have begun as people, uh, I don't think it's just, a, I've been all over the world, I don't think it's just an American thing, but we have begun to really convince ourselves that sin is not that big of a problem, okay? Um, we have created for us a casualness around sin, and, uh, and, I, and I get it. Like, I, I get it. It's hard to talk about. Nobody wants to come to church and be reminded of their sin, because here's what I've learned. Most people come to church and are well aware of their sin. You don't need me to constantly bang the drum that we're all a bunch of broken, messed up people, okay? We are usually pretty aware of that. Um, the thing is, sin, guys, is anything that we do or say that goes against God's perfect design. God has a perfect design. He's created all things. He knows how they're supposed to function, and anything we do that goes against that perfect design um, is sin, okay? It is disobedience to God. Um, and so, so the problem is, like, some of us, like, even would say sin doesn't even exist anymore, that Jesus has wiped it all clean, and we live in freedom, and it doesn't really matter what we do or what we say, because we live in freedom. We, we are free, and, and, and I get it, too, because churches have also used this topic to manipulate and to control. And, and they use sin to constantly leave people feeling guilty, feeling downtrodden, feeling broken. And to be honest with you, some even use that to take advantage of the people. And so I, I want you to hear me say, that is not my goal today. And, and if that's happened to you, I'm, I want you to hear me just as a pastor, even if I'm not the one that has done that to you, I want to apologize if that's been done to you. Because that is, that is real. That is real hurt. Um, that there's real shame that comes with feeling guilted into the fact that you know you're a sinner, but you were just never told the way out of the sin. And I want to apologize for that. Um, but I want you to hear me say today, today we're going to talk some about sin. And uh, we're going to talk about it in the context in which the Bible talks about it. So my hope and prayer is that you will hear what God says about sin and not what Brandon says about sin. You will hear what God says about your sin and not what you have been told about your sin or how you have made yourself feel about your sin, but that we will know. And my hope today is that we will not try to explain our sin away, that we will not try to justify our sin away, that we will um, not just try to, try to use euphemisms to maybe take away the seriousness of our sin. So let's, um, with that in mind, let's dive in. I want to read First John. Let's pick back up in uh, verse 6. First John chapter 1, verse 6. If you're there, say, I'm there. Yeah. Awesome. This is what uh, God says. If we say we have fellowship with Him, talking about God, if we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie. We do not practice the truth. But... If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. 
And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Aren't you glad? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Oh, listen to this, church. But if we confess our sins... He is faithful. He is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we've not sinned, we make God a liar and his word is not in us. So I want you to see just a couple of things here. <laughs> I want you to see that sin, honestly, is a... It's like a, like a contradiction, and that's what's really happening in this passage, is that uh, God is pointing out, you say that you have a relationship with me, and that's what that word fellowship means, okay? That word fellowship means intimate relationship. So the Bible says you're walking around acting like you have this intimate relationship with God, this fellowship with God, but you're walking in darkness. Well, if God is light and you're walking in darkness, that just means you're walking apart from God. It means that as you're walking, you're not walking with Him. You're not walking in His ways. You're not walking in true fellowship, relationship with Him. And listen, this is one of the scariest things at a church, especially when you're coming to a new church and we say really cool things like we are centered on the gospel and sent to the nations. When we say really cool things like we are going to go out and make disciples and start churches until Jesus comes back and makes all things new. Like the, the temptation is to think because you go to a church that says those things that you actually are those things. And that's not true. In fact, we will be lying when we say those things if all of us collectively are not practicing those things. And so, guys, I think God just doesn't want us to be confused. He doesn't want us to walk around saying, yeah, I'm good. I've got a relationship with God. I'm good. Let me show you how I worship. Let me show you these Bible verses I've memorized. But then nothing in your life patterns by walking a walk with God. And that word walk is really important. Like you should circle, underline that word walk. Because here's what it means. What it means is a continuous and intentional pattern of life. A continuous and an intentional pattern of life. Guys, that's really important because as we talk about it, like God is not saying, you better be perfect. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying, you better not mess up, or I'm here watching you. That's not God's character. I don't see that in Scripture. Instead, what he's saying is, sin in your life ought to be the exception, not the rule. In your life, when you sin and when you mess up, man, that ought to be a slip-up. That, that ought not be the pattern in our lives. And guys, sometimes like we'll talk to people and they'll, we're discipling them and, and they'll talk about things in their life and, and they'll say, oh, I've, but that's not really a problem in my life. I, it's just something I've struggled with my whole life. You see how we use these euphemisms, these, these pretty little words to cover up the reality of our sin? And guys, I want you to know it is okay to admit and confess sin. You know why? Because you got a Savior ready to forgive you of that sin. Like you have a Jesus Christ who you can have a relationship with who is standing ready, has already done the work to, to forgive you of all of that sin in your life. So guys, we, the way we walk needs to match the way we talk. If we're talking in the light, then we also need to walk in the light. Man, we, we do that... Um, also, you know, right here in 1 John, he says, you know, some of us say that we don't sin. And some of us, we, we try to say, oh, I don't really, can't really think of any major sins in my life. Well, the question really isn't for you. The question is not if you know of any major sins in your life, right? The question is, what would God say about your life? Does God know of any major sins in our lives? And so we might think that we're good we might say we don't have sin, but the Bible says we're just lying to ourselves. 
But in verse 9, I want you to see the beauty of this verse. And I want you, some of you today, this needs to become your life verse. Some of you today, you need to highlight this verse in your Bible app. You need to go through in every translation and highlight it in your Bible app. You need to underline it in your Bible. You need to write it in your notes. And some of you need to go get it tattooed today, all right? It's Super Bowl Sunday. Why not? All right? Like we, some of us, like this, this verse is going to be life-changing. Because listen to verse 9, 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins... Like if we will confess these sins, God is faithful and just. Notice it doesn't say if you'll confess your sins, you'll live a happier life. There will be no consequences for you. Everything will be perfect. You'll feel better. You won't be anxious. Like it doesn't say any of that. It don't even talk about you. It talks about God. And it says if you'll confess your sin, think about who God is. We've already known that he's light, but he's also faithful. You know what that word faithful means? He will never leave you. He will never leave you. Even, see, to sin, we have to leave God. But God will never leave us. He loves you, and he, not one time has he ever turned his back on you or walked away from you. See, he did that only one time, and he did it on the cross towards his son so that he would never have to turn his back on us. That's how much God loves you. He is faithful. But notice this. Some people may go, well, Brandon, that's not right because God is holy. And he can't just be faithful and loving and forget all of our sin. I know. You're exactly right. He's also just. And that word just means righteous. It means perfect. It means he does nothing that is not absolutely, utterly perfect and right. And so because he is righteous, he did punish you. He just did it through Jesus instead of you. And guys, this is amazing. That means whatever you brought into this place today, whatever sins you brought into this place, whatever past you brought into this place, whatever guilt over your past you brought into this place, whatever shame you brought into this place, whatever doubts and disbelief about God that you brought into this place, God is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of it all so that you can walk in in the light, so you can walk in His ways, guilt-free, shame-free, in freedom. Guys, it's not that we won't sin. It's just God made a rescue plan for it. And we got to trust in that and believe in that. So bring your pain. Bring your church hurt. Bring your disbelief. Bring your unbelief. Bring it all. Don't bring it to me. Bring it to Jesus. And lay it at his feet and say, some crazy pastor told me you could do something with this. So show me, are you faithful? Are you just? Think about what Jesus has done for you. And then I love it because this is the only part it says about you. It's the only thing that's about you in the whole verse is that he's going to cleanse you. He doesn't tell you now you go cleanse yourself. He says, no, I'm going to cleanse you. I'm going to cleanse you, and I'm going to take away all unrighteousness out of your life. I'm going to do that. And guys, I want to say this, because sometimes people hear that, and they go, Brandon, I gave my life to Jesus, but I feel like I still struggle with some of the same sins of my past. Now, I want you to hear me say this. The cleansing is a process. The cleansing is a process. It is not an overnight immediacy. Now, there are some things that God will clean up rather quickly in our lives if we'll let him. But guys, the cleansing is a process. And you go, well, Brandon, how long is this process going to last? Till you die. That's how long it's going to last. Praise God. That's not bad. That doesn't mean you're doing anything bad. That doesn't mean God is slow in working in your life. It just means that God is faithful and he's not going to stop. He is not going to stop picking you up when you fall, putting a Band-Aid on, comforting you in His arms, and putting you back out in the game. God is not going to stop. He is faithful. And He ain't going to stop till you take your last breath. And then you're going to be in His presence. And He is going to make all things new. And He is going to make you whole. Guys, this is what Jesus does for us. And this is why we got to take our sin serious. Because it took a serious rescue mission for Jesus to do this for us. 
because it took some serious sin to get us in that situation of needing rescue. So we don't make light of our sin, but we also make much of our Savior. Um, let's, uh, let's keep reading here. Um, we finished up the chapter, right? Well, let's keep going. Uh, let's look at chapter 2, verse 1. Those of you who are using your physical paper Bibles, uh, you can just keep reading. Uh, those of you on the app, you, now you've got to push some buttons. But First uh, John chapter 2, verse 1. If you're there, say, I'm there. All right, now you think about, remember, you're a new Christian. Um, Christianity is only maybe two generations, maybe three generations in at this point. Um, you've just heard from your spiritual grandfather, John the Apostle, that you're not taking sin serious enough, and you need to stop being a hypocrite, stop contradicting yourself. If you're in the light, walk in the light, okay? You've just heard all of this. That can be intimidating, right? That can be a little bit like, man, I just got called out. So listen to what John says next in verse 1. My little children. My little children. Guys, I want you to see, and, and so that's why it's so bad when pastors and preachers and evangelists get up and they read stuff like that, and they, they preach sin so aggressively, and they preach it so demeaningly, and they, they preach it so um, hostile is because that's not the tone that John gives us. He finishes that up and says, my little children, listen. Guys, that phrase is grandfatherly. That's grandpa sitting on the front porch calling you together saying, I need you to listen to me. With all of my heart, I love you, and I need you to get this. This is important to me. And so I want you to hear what we've talked about today in that tone. So listen, now John is going to tell you why he's telling us all this. My little children, I am writing these things to you <laughs> so that you may not sin. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, it's just, it cracks me up because I'm like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think we got it, all right? But listen, don't, don't overcomplicate this. He is writing these things to us. God put this in the Bible because he doesn't want us to sin. Do you know why God doesn't want you to sin? Because sin takes you away from him. Sin takes you out of the light and puts you in darkness. And God paid a high price to have fellowship with you, to have a relationship with you. And he's not going to fellowship with darkness. Light doesn't fellowship with darkness. So he ain't going to fellowship with darkness. So if you're in the darkness, he is, he is lacking relationship with you. This is why God says, I'm telling you this because I don't want you to sin. I, I, don't, I want sin to be the exception in your life, not the rule. Because I want us to have fellowship. I want us to have relationship. And guys, if you're in a constant, unconfessed, unrepented sin, the worst thing is you're missing out on fellowship with God. Like, we're missing that when we sin. And so this is, this is what he writes to us. Okay, he keeps going. He says, but if anyone does sin, okay, that's good. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Come on. He is the propitiation, that's fun, for our sins. And not for ours only. Oh, underline this. This is good but also for the sins of the whole world. If you're taking notes, write this down. The gospel tells the world what God says about Jesus. The gospel tells the world what God says about who Jesus is couple of things I just want you to see, um, because see guys, here's the fact. There's a lot of people out there that want to tell you who Jesus is, okay? They want to tell you who Jesus is based on their opinion. They want to tell you who Jesus is based on their experiences. They want to tell you who Jesus is based on what denomination they come from or what camp they landed in, whether or not they're, you know, orthodox or evangelical. Like they want to tell you who Jesus is. We don't care who they say Jesus is. We only care who God says Jesus is because Jesus is God's son. So here's what that also means. So there's some people who aren't so well-meaning, but there's also some people who are well-meaning. 
people who make like, you know, videos, movies about Jesus, like uh, uh, the, the, new sh- the Chosen, right? Not, not a horrible, I'm not going to give you, sit here and give you my endorsement or thoughts on The Chosen, but my, my wife and I, we <clears throat> have watched The Chosen, but I can tell you not everything in it is right. It's not. Not everything in it is true. There are actually quotes and things in it that are not true. But I don't really watch it for my theology. I, I read the Bible for that. And so I watch it for a little bit of entertainment, a little bit to stir some affections in my heart for Jesus, to kind of get a visual of what I read about and what could be true. And I kind of geek out on it and enjoy it. So, but what I'm telling you is, do not grasp your picture of who Jesus is based on movies and shows that you watch. That is not where we gain the truth of who Jesus is. Don't gain the truth of who Jesus is based on memes you read or preachers you listen to on TikTok. Gain the truth of who Jesus is straight from Jesus. Get it from the Bible, okay? And use all the other stuff to supplement. That's fun. But don't use it as truth, okay? That's all I'm going to say about that. There are so many resources, so don't settle. You know, don't settle for the Chronicles of Narnia. Great movie. Not everything is true. And so settle for what God's word says about Jesus. Here's what it says. Write this down. Number one, Jesus is an advocate. Jesus is an advocate. The word advocate, boy, it it means he is a helper uh, that was given to us for a time of need. Boy, isn't that the truth? Jesus is an advocate for us. He is someone who has met us in our time of need, okay? And that, that was Jesus. Our greatest need was that we sin. Our greatest need is that we were supposed to have a relationship with God. We went against God's design. We sinned. Um, and so we didn't have a relationship with God, and we needed that to survive. And so that was our greatest need. We could not get to God. We tried. God gave us these 10 commandments. He pulled them down to 10. Like anybody, you can do 10 things on your to-do list. You guys have to-do lists that are bigger than 10 things on them. God gave us 10 things. And we have a whole book of human history of constantly failing at doing those 10 things. So then Jesus came and said, y'all are having a hard time. Let me boil it down to two. Love the Lord with all your heart and love your neighbor as you love yourself. You know what happened? We still couldn't do it. Narrowed down to two. We still couldn't do it. And so God loved us so much that he sent an advocate for us. Jesus, someone to step into our world, to step foot into our brokenness and say, let me do for them what they cannot do for themselves. They cannot get to God. They cannot get relationship. So Jesus stepped down and said, what's it going to take? And God said, perfection, holiness. Jesus said, I got it. Jesus came in fully God and fully man, suffered all the same temptations that you and I suffer, except he did it without sin. (laughs) And sometimes I sin. And he never once sinned. He was perfect. And then he gave that life, that perfect life, as the ultimate sacrifice for sin. And God took all the punishment out on him. Guys, Jesus stepped in as our advocate. He stepped in to give us help in our time of need. Here's what else the Bible says about Jesus. It says he was our propitiation. Um, That word propitiation, it's a big word. Uh, You can go impress all of your friends with it uh, later today. You can be like, hey, who won the Super Bowl propitiation? And uh, propitiation literally (laughs) just means satisfaction. It means satisfaction, that Jesus was the satisfaction for our sin. He satisfied the debt that we owed to God. See, we, because of our sin, we owed God a debt that we couldn't afford. And Jesus paid it in full. And then God looked and said, oh, Hembry, yeah, your debt's been paid, man. You're satisfied. Come on in. Have a relationship with me. That's the good news. <laughs> like, isn't that great news? If you're, I mean, if you're a sinner, it's good news. And like, like this, is, this is amazing. So Jesus is our advocate. He is our propitiation. But here's what I don't want you to miss. Jesus did this. And this is another thing you learn about Jesus. He is our advocate. He is our propitiation. But here's what else you learn. Jesus did this for the whole world. For everybody. Everywhere. He did not leave out people of other religions. He did not leave out people from other backgrounds than you. He did not leave out criminals or terrorists. He did not leave out 
really rich, affluent people and well-educated people. Jesus died for the whole world. And man, I want you to know, because you may, you may be here today and you may think, yeah, I know I've heard that, Brandon, that Jesus loves me, but the fact is, I don't know that Jesus loves me, because I've tried this whole church thing. I've tried this whole religion thing. And Brandon, I'm just not positive that Jesus could really love me. You in the world? Jesus loves you. And Jesus died for you. And everything we've talked about today is yours to gain, because he loves the whole world. But see, for those of us here, who go, actually, Brandon, like I, I, this has been encouraging to me. This has been hopeful and life-giving to me. But to be honest, like I, I believe it. Like I've already believed this. Like I, I am in a relationship with God. Like I am walking in the light. And then let me ask you a question. How do we get this good news of the gospel to the whole world? How are we going to do that? Because, guys, that's our next step. If Jesus did this for the whole world, then yes, we got to take care of Fredericksburg. Yes, we got to take care of Northern Virginia, but we also got to take care of the world. And now we don't do it alone. We're a kingdom church. Like we've got brothers and sisters all over this city, all over Northern Virginia, all over this country who believe the same thing we do. And they're trying to get this gospel to the world too. But guys, never ever has there been a greater need around the world for the gospel than there is today. And you go, Brandon, I heard that 20 years ago. Yeah, I know. That's the problem, is that it keeps getting greater. The need keeps getting greater. Let me share a, a few things with you. Uh, where are my numbers people at? You love numbers, spreadsheets? All right, this is your moment. You may help you to write these numbers down if you're visual. There are these things called people groups. They are groups of people. It's a missiology term to define groups of people that are identified by a common place in the world and a common ethnicity. They speak a same language. They are from the same area. They share a similar culture. Okay? Now, don't think Asian, Hispanic. Within the Asian community, there are thousands of people groups, different sects that you know, have different cultures and even different dialects and languages around them that make up these groups of people. So some people groups may have a hundred people in it, and some people groups may have 500,000 people in it, okay? But they are groups of people. Around the world, let me tell you how many people groups there are in the world today. We have identified 17,311. So if you take the whole world Okay, that's out of 8 billion people. Do you guys know there's 8 billion people in the world right now? 8 billion people in the world, and it goes in to 17,311 groups of people. Out of those 17,311 groups of people, 7,276 are unreached with the gospel. When I say unreached, here's what that means. That means less than 2% of that people group follow Jesus or claim to follow Jesus, okay? So out of that, that's over 40% of people groups. That's over 40% of the world live in an area where less than 2% of people claim to follow Jesus. It doesn't mean they do follow Jesus. It just means less than 2% claim to follow Jesus. Of that, there's also this other word called unengaged, which means they're unreached, but there's also currently nobody trying to get to them. So there's currently nobody trying to start churches or make disciples among them. And that is a majority of those people groups. Here's how it shakes. You say, Brandon, give me the facts. That's 3.4 billion people living with minimal or no access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's 3.4, that's billion with a B. There will be more people that have access to the Super Bowl today than those who have access to the gospel today. So you may go, well, Brandon, where are these people? Like, how do we get to them? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Let me show you. 
Check this map out. Every red dot represents one of the 7,276 unreached people groups in the world. And they're all, all sort of different. What you can see is we have what's called like the 1040 window. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. It's basically like take the very center of the map, you know, and maybe for sake of this screen, take like six inches of the center and just go across. And that's where most of the red dots are. That's where most of the unreached people live. Now, there's a lot of people who say, Brandon, I'm focused on reaching people here. I'm not, God wouldn't call me to go overseas. And I, I would just tell you that's a lie. That's not true. God has already called you in his word to go to all nations, okay? But I would also say, look at that and say, well, if we're trying to reach people who are unreached with the gospel, we got to go. We have to. I mean, you see, we've got a few red dots. So if anybody wants to move, there, there's some red dots. I, I looked at it. Uh, there's some red dots in Nashville. Well, a red dot. There's a red dot in Chicago. Do you know Northern Virginia has three red dots? You want to know what they are? You can also, you can go to a website called joshuaproject.org and you can get all of this. Okay, I pulled all of this from joshuaproject.org. The Persian people, the Malaysian people, and the Algerian people. And there are over half a million of them in Northern Virginia. And those people are, live among a people, even in the United States, that is less than 2% of them claim to follow Jesus. In fact, the Malaysian is 0%. They have found no follow. Now, it doesn't mean they're not there. It just means they have not found a follower of Jesus among Malaysian people in Northern Virginia. Okay? Now, I want you to see, guys, we have work to do. And we sit here, and if we sit here and we go, man, this is good, like this is all good for us, and we have all of this stuff, and we believe that Jesus is our advocate, we believe he's our propitiation, we believe he has cleansed us from all unrighteousness, there are over 3 billion people who don't know that. They don't know it today. They're going to wake up, they're going to live their life, they're going to go to sleep, and God forbid, do that for 80 years and die, and never know this. So church, we are the solution. We are the light of the world. We are the hope of the world in Jesus Christ. Not because of us, but because of the message we proclaim. And let me tell you something. If Doritos feel like they have a message worth proclaiming that is going to go out to billions of people today, and, and is going to generate even billions more hits on YouTube, and they pay tens of millions of dollars to do it, how much more of a message does the church of Jesus Christ have to proclaim to the world? I really thought we'd have more amens than that. I know, some of us are nervous. This can make us nervous. Here's, here's what I want to remind you of. Worship team, you guys can go ahead and come up. If you look under your seat, we've bought plane tickets for everyone that's... No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the fact is, I share this with you today. Here's what I want you to do with it. I want you to pray. That's all. Can you put the map back up, Mark? I just want you to pray. I, I don't need you to... <laughs> well, I don't need you to do anything, but Jesus doesn't need you to... Go out today and head over to Dulles on your way out today. I'm not going to stop you, but that's not the point of today. The point of today is to show you we have an amazing message, an amazing gospel hope that is good for us, and it's also good for billions more people who don't know Jesus. And sometimes we can hear this, but we've never seen something like this. We've never known wow, there are really billions of people that have never heard about Jesus? And the, the problem is, you know why they're unreached? Because they're hard to get to. It's sacrificial. Like it's going to cost something to get away. It's going to cost money. It's going to cost time. This isn't people you're going to show up to for a week and run a sports camp and change everything. 
This, it takes, it's going to take our lives, leveraging our lives for the sake of the gospel for billions of people who've never heard it before. But I want to remind you, that not the gospel worthy? Isn't it a good message for all people all over the world? And so all I want us to do today is pray. So I'm going to ask worship team just to play behind. I'm going to give you guys just a minute or two. If you need to just stare at this map, if you want to just bow your head and process, but can we take a second and can we just pray for the billions of people right now who don't have access to the gospel? Can we pray for them? Can we pray that God might reveal himself through dreams and visions? Can we pray that God might raise up somebody? If it's not you, that he would raise up somebody to go to them and, and give their lives. And then, this is a big one, would you pray that God would raise up someone local? That God would raise up someone who's already there to give their lives for the sake of the gospel. And would you also pray for Northern Virginia and realize you live on a really dry mission field and, and ask God, help me see myself today, not as a teacher, not as a businessman. Help me see myself as a missionary to Northern Virginia this week. So let's pray together. Hi, Pastor Brandon here. Thanks again for listening to our Impact Church Sermon Podcast. If God has spoken to you today or you have a prayer request you'd like to share, please email us at hello at impactfxbg.church. If you're local to the Fredericksburg area, we would love to see you for worship in person. But if not, please let us know if we can help you find a gospel-centered church right where you're at. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram and on our website, www.impactfxbg.church. Until next time, keep living the dream.